are watching the Women's Flat Track Derby Association's Twitch channel. I am Double H, and we're trying out a few new content ideas in this climate of social distancing. So please feel free to drop your thoughts and suggestions in the chat. Uh, we know folks like me are missing all the great roller derby games we would normally be playing this time of year. So we're going to mix it up a little bit and talk some roller derby, some community chat. And of course, we're going to have a little bit of fun, too. Uh, today, we're enjoying a Texas two for one. That's right. Um, we've got Texas Roller Girls, uh, awesome jammer freight train. I'm like, how do I even describe freight train? Awesome, amazing, fantastic. Uh, number 202 here to talk about her experiences coming up in Houston Roller Derby and now, of course, skating for Texas. And Speaking of Texas, one of the greatest of all times, the real strong, athletic, legendary Smarty Pants also joins us. Uh, so we have, again, a Texas two for one, uh, also joined by my cat, apparently. Uh, you know that our WFTDA posted recommendations to suspend gameplay um, and training, and we're hoping that uh, these are helpful guidelines that help to keep the community safe. And you can learn a little bit more about that by heading to WFTDA.com. We have our latest community guidelines there and resources listed. Um, the sports world in general right now looking for ways to stay engaged, despite the fact that a lot of different types of gameplay is halted around the world. So um, we're looking for your thoughts and ideas. If you've got thoughts about broadcast, please hit us up at broadcast at quadmedia.tv. Uh, and you can click the heart to follow us on Twitch, subscribe to our channel on YouTube, and ding that little bell icon to get notified when uh, we post new content. My cat, of course, is very excited to join you as well today. Um, liking and subscribing on YouTube is awesome. It helps us support the channel and keep these shows going. Um, but as I mentioned, Twitch is where we're going to try to do uh, a little bit more activity. I see my friend Jumpy McGee in the chat. Happy Saturday, Jumpy McGee. Um, so just to let you know, um, we're here on Twitch. We're going to be doing a bunch of different things over the next couple of weeks, including launching a community access channel on Twitch, which is going to be awesome. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Um, but we also want to know who you, who you would like to see interviewed on getting off track. So please leave us a comment down uh, on the side. And uh, we're also adding this as a podcast. Um, so we've got all kinds of content that we're adding over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and we're super excited about it. And I, I was rendered speechless before uh, for words to use for freight train. Um, so I'm going to try to think of some. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back uh, again with one of the greatest of all time, freight train. Hey, it's Double H back with hey. Freight Train. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, so thanks for coming. We showed a little clip there from 2018 when you won MVP in Atlanta. And it, I was like, oh, that's my voice saying your name. <laughs> what was it like yeah. to get MVP in Atlanta? Uh, it, it was pretty awesome. Um, I never had got MVP um, at any type of WIFTA tournament before, so that was my first one, and it was really amazing, and um, I don't know. It was awesome, so it was yeah. awesome. 
So you got uh, you got into roller derby, I understand, from your dad. Your dad heard about it and uh, got you involved. How did that happen? So my dad, you know, he used to get his skates fixed at a skate shop called Montreux Skate Shop. And All right, hold on John one McKay. Second. Oh, go ahead. Your dad is a roller skater. Let's start there. Yes. Yeah, didn't know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, didn't know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so he's been skating since forever as well. So you so, kind of grew up roller yeah. skating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like roller skating, going to the skating rink was uh, pretty much a every weekend type of thing. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so he was getting his skates fixed. Yeah, he was getting skates fixed, and the owner of the skate shop, his name's uh, John McKay, um, you know, he was into watching roller derby, specifically Houston roller derby. And he asked my dad, did he have a daughter? And my dad was like, yes. And then of course, Mr. John got super excited about that. He gave my dad a flyer. And I didn't join till like a year after um, that, about a year. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Your dad was like, I got the sport for you. <laughs> Were you involved in other sports I, before that? No, man, I don't. I don't really navigate and, and play sports back then. I mean, I play now, but back then I did not play sports. <laughs> yeah, and so you, but you started not in uh, Austin, you started in Houston, yes? Yes, in Houston, Houston Roller Derby. Did three seasons with them. Oh, I, I think, yeah. I think <laughs> might have a, we might have a clip of some of that. Uh, let's take yeah. a look if we, oh, here we go. Yep. Here is a, uh, this is a clip from uh, Houston taking on Boston. And this is the East Coast Derby extravaganza from 2013. Mm-hmm. That was uh, so seven is, years ago, y'all. Almost seven years yeah. ago. So did you know, did you know when you started at Houston that you wanted to jam? Or were you just kind of like, let me try out whatever and see how I do? Um, I, I always had like, uh, I always wanted to be a jammer and I had to kind of work my way up to prove that I can be a jammer and, and, you know, get my stamina and up stuff and stuff like that up. But I, um, yeah, I always wanted to be a jammer. I had the jammer heart, just something I like to do, but you know, that was kind of before I knew how to block. <laughs> so, um, but still. Jamming is still one of my favorite things to do because it's, uh, to me, it's the harder of the two. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm so trying to what, watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Go I ahead. was going to say what the, let's talk about this game in particular. Um, mm -hmm. Do you remember, do you remember a whole lot about sort of your, um, what were some of the fun memories that you have from your earlier days skating with Houston? Do you remember ECDX? Uh, yeah, I remember ECDX. And I remember this this game in particular because um mainly because that's kind of the uh one of the last times i like intentionally jumped the apex like you know the normal way that people do yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. but then i think i had got like a penalty or something it wasn't it would have been an expulsion today but it probably but i don't know that that's kind of the last time I did an intentional apex jump. I remember that game. But anyways, whatever. So we're not we're not I doing that game. Apex I jumps anymore. 
Well, no, no, I I do them differently. I do Accidental. them much differently. <laughs> yeah, like, eh, yeah, whatever. I do them way <laughs> differently now. So, <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, that was kind of the first ones I tried to do. <laughs> it did not work out. Anyways, That's, let's go. Yeah, but but <laughs> since that time, you've been able to execute apex jumps. Yeah, better yes. better than before. You know, I took a pause after that game. I took a pause. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, what really brought you to um, to to move on from Houston to go to uh, Texas? Right, Texas is like one of the godmother leagues, right? Was it intimidating? Yeah. Um, no, it it wasn't intimidating. I mean, it was definitely like um, I, I knew it was going to be a challenge, and and then a challenge to be on the executioners, but I wasn't necessarily afraid of going to go try out. I might've been a little nervous, but not intimidated. Um, my whole uh, reasoning for, you know, moving from Houston to Austin was because I was trying to look for more challenge for myself. Like throughout time, you know, I kind of became um, one of Houston's top players. And then, you know, sometimes, you, you you look for more, right? You wanna yeah. challenge yourself even more. So I figured, um, and, and this was kind of inspired by my dad too. He was like, uh, why not give this role everything a try, try to take it to the highest level that you can. And Austin, Texas isn't that far away. It's only three hours from Houston. So I didn't have to move anywhere too far. So I decided to um, give it a try uh, to see where it could go. And it ended up being a, a great opportunity in the end so yeah so was there a moment was there like a first moment where after you um came onto the the team that you were like yep this was the right move <laughs> do you remember having any sort of experiences or games where you were like that's what i was looking for um you know honestly when when i first got on the tech executioners like the the intensity of the practice and the intensity of the players um, was was at a whole nother different level. And I thought that was really great. And and it was super challenging for me. Like everything, everything I was trying to do, they was basically just shutting it down. So they kind of yeah. forced kind of forced me to uh, step my game up, which was definitely something that I was looking for at that time. So yeah. Were there any moments where you were like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> Uh, I don't think, see, I have a different outlook on, on challenges. Um, it, it doesn't make me feel that way. If anything, it makes me want to figure out how to um, improve in those type of mm -hmm. situations where I'm challenged. So uh, I just have a different outlook on that. So I, I, I never felt like that. <laughs> and so what were some of the first things that you felt like um, you were you were learning and taking to heart like you were saying some of the some of the things that you were trying to do were, were getting shut down right away right um were there yeah other things so where, yeah the the main thing and i talk about this at my clinics all the time is that you know when i used to play with houston that was a different skill level right so usually my main jamming method was just to push forward i didn't really have to do too much lateral work I would just push people forward and then, you know, everybody starts bridging. 
but you know, Texas, they had a whole different defensive style. You know, defense yeah. was very, it, they were very good at defense. So any type of pushing that I did, they would just sit there and let me burn myself out basically. So I had to change it up. They forced me to change it up, which overall made me uh, become a better skater for the teams. So like footwork, lateral movement. Footwork, lateral juking. movement, juking, jumping. I had to add all of that to um, the pushing and just hitting thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's hitting too. Yeah. Um, who are so the you you move to, to you move to Austin, right? Like you you move mm -hmm. onto the this team, um, and at that time there were some of um, the best skaters who have ever skated in roller derby on that team. Can you describe the experience of like starting to skate for the first time with these skates? Yeah. So um, let's see. I knew you know with Houston I was primarily their jammer, right? So I knew when I was going to get the Texacutioners, I probably was not going to be like jamming straight off, you know? But I was happy to be blocking too. So I, I ended up being like, I think in 2015, I mainly did blocking. But uh, yeah, eventually I kind of got into the jammer rotation. But yeah, those were some amazing skaters. And it, it's, it was hard to pick who did what, right? So yeah. I don't know. When I first got there, I just took whatever role that I could. Really, it doesn't matter. I was just trying to yeah. get myself in there, show that I can I can do some stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, I mean, we we're talking like in the gym rotation, uh, what, mm -hmm. like uh, Bloody Mary, um, Olivia yeah. Shooting John, yeah, um, and um, Sarah Heupel, Sarah and Heupel. you know Fifi Fifi, no Fifi Nominon. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you already said Bloody Mary. Yeah, and we I, could say her name again though, but yeah. not three times because that's bad. Oh uh, yeah, can't say it three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who else is there? I think the oh, and Hoss the Boss, you know, they were the main yeah. ones at that time. So, yeah. So were there things but, that you were able to? Because they they still to this day have a very different style. I think from your style of jamming, were there things that you were able to look they were doing that you were like, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to try that. I think, you know, um, other skills that I picked up from uh, other jammers from the executioners, it's just, you know, like their line work, uh, maybe some of their jump and speed, lateral movement type of things. Um, but I still think that, I don't know, I, we're still vastly different, like, from each other, you know? But I try to pick up a few things, the line work mainly, but, you know, some... Some stuff I just can't fit through, but some people can <laughs> squeeze through. So, but I don't know, whatever. It's all good. You somehow make it work. Yeah, um, I make it work. <laughs> but what does your training look like these days? You're um, traveling around, coaching. What types of things are you talking about that you're getting skaters to focus on? Um, I, I, I try to... Um, incorporate some of my story in there just like uh, some of the main things that I teach is how to effectively push walls um, so there's kind of a for me it's kind of like a, a strategic way of pushing walls not just pushing it directly straight on you know you want to angle it out you want to 
try to find different points on people's bodies that will help carry you through the pack a lot easier than you just having to do it all on your own. But yeah, it's just, just stuff like that. Pushing and then in different ways of making holes for yourself and really uh, claiming your space on the track, which means, you know, making sure you're not stepping too light on the track to where someone hits you and you just kind of bounce off. You want to kind of stay on your ground a little bit. And I try to teach things like that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And what, what types of things are you doing um, to train specifically for that? So you're thinking like a lower center of gravity. Um, it, it seems like the most cliche, ridiculous thing to say, get low, but getting low, right? Yeah, not necessarily getting low. I could be low like this, squatting down on the ground, but it's not going to help me, right? So um, it, it's mainly about um, positions of power, positions that keep you stable, and in positions that kind of help you, uh, I don't know, move through the pack more effectively, like bending your legs. So when you do a big push, you're able to uh, get all that energy from your legs by springing at somebody. If your legs is too straight and you try to hit somebody, it's not going to be as powerful as when your leg is bent. You know, but mm, it, I, I, I try. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I would like to um, have some fun if you're up to having some fun. Um, yep, I'm good I, for it. Right, okay, good. Um, we're going to play... Um, sort of a like what I call a Texas tell all uh, and you, you don't have to go tell secrets and you can kind of answer mm -hmm. as you would like but like uh, just a couple of fun questions for you so um, who's jamming uh, and this can be outside of Texas too right now who's jamming do you feel like you're learning a lot from these days and it could be skaters who have skated and retired or skaters who are still skating are there any jammers out there who's jamming? You're like, I could learn thing from that. Uh, mm, let's see. I don't. I don't have any names of specific skaters. Um, Was there anyone who influenced you early yeah. on? Who you saw early on? Like, I. I yeah, you know, I always, always talk about uh, Death by Chocolate. I know, yes. uh, you know, she's from a different roller derby time. But I really uh, enjoyed her skating style. I just enjoy, yeah. like, how much fun she was having out there, the showmanship. Like, I like people that kind of, mm, I don't know, they, they have some type of flair uh, going on with their skating. Like, they do little things that make... Um, you know, watching roller derby a little bit more interesting. Like they might make a face or they might do some type of a hand gesture or something, you know, something like that. I like yeah. people to do that. I think that's fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, okay. Now we're going to have like a real fun. Um, okay. Okay. Who yells at you the most on the track? I don't do think any, no one. Do you have a teammate who yells at you the most on the track? Well, um, they don't really yell at me, really. Okay. Um, but I mean, I think they, they might call my name 
because they're doing something for me. Um, okay. I know Peace Word does stuff like that. All my offensive players, but so your um, offense is no, no one probably the the teammates who yell yeah. at you the most. <laughs> yeah, I okay. guess when you say yell, I'm thinking of like a, a disciplinary yell type of thing. So. No, we all mm -mm. have really good communicators <laughs> on our team. Yeah. And so some are louder and maybe mm -hmm. maybe a little louder than they intend to be. So it can be fun yeah. or it can be, uh, I don't know, distracting sometimes. But um, okay, I have yeah. a hypothetical for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in your dreams, <laughs> you're dreaming and mm -hmm. you're playing roller derby in your dream. Who is your dream line for your team? Like your team, you're jamming, you're stepping up to the jammer start line and you look out, who is your, who is your line? Who is my line? Yes. Uh, and it can, it can be anybody. <clears throat> it doesn't have to be your current teammates. It could be like, uh, I don't know, like uh, Rachel Rotten and V Diva. <laughs> mm -hmm. It could be anybody. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I'm going for DVC because I just like her. And then I'm going to do Smarty Fan. She was cool. I'm going to do Peace War. Um, huh? I'm going to do, who else? Dang, who am I? Okay, I, got, I did three. And then me. That's what I need. One more. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's you see. You got it. Uh, oh, no, I, what? my friend name? From Houston. Gosh darn, I can't remember. Oh, I'm gonna do Patty Payne. So Patty Payne is cool. Okay. When I'm coming up. Uh, I looked up there. So y'all don't know her. Maybe, maybe y'all do. Patty Payne. If you're from Houston, Patty Payne was awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Um, cool. Are there any lines that, um, uh, like, like are a particular nightmare for you? Like, if we're talking dreams, and that goes from a dream to a nightmare, like. What is the line like? Who are the who are the folks who you're always kind of like, oh, not this line again, when you step up there on the jammer line? Is there anyone, uh, either a couple skaters or an entire line, where you're just like, ah, not this again? Uh, let's see. Remember, remember, I tell you my outlook now. I've never, I've never been like that. <laughs> like I'm okay with any type of line. I like this, but um. Yeah, I'm okay with any type of line. If, um, in fact, I don't, I don't really see faces much when I'm out there jamming. But the 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 VR VRDL pack from um, uh, from either 2016 or 2017 when Texas played them, like when they when they were shutting everybody down, really yeah. shutting everybody down. Yeah. That those those people VRDL. <laughs> I think by <laughs> by line. by. Yeah, I think Bicepto was in that one. Yeah, so, so her, I remember her. <laughs> so so yeah. when, you, when you're having those nightmare, when you, well, back when you mm -hmm. were in that place, I like, though, mm -hmm. that you've said that you've changed your outlook. I think that that's really rad. Do you have any advice for jammers who are, um, like, just, just kind of starting out and trying to change their mental mindset? Like, what is the way that, um, you have changed your mindset to be a little bit less looking at faces, more looking at, you know, bodies as you're going through walls. What kind of advice mm -hmm. do you have? Um, so, well, one, just, sorry, I'm playing with stuff around my house. Uh, 
One, you always want to have a emergency plan for every type of situation. Even if you're stuck for a whole two minutes, I have the emergency plan for that. Like, you know, like I, you can always keep yourself engaged in the game no matter how bad uh, you think you're doing. Um, there's always a way to make it positive, right? So um, even when I started, I never really saw faces much. Like, it's hard for me to remember what happened or who was in the pack. Even if I'm in gameplay and it just happened, I don't, I can't recall faces, just bodies. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. skill to have, mm -hmm. though, to be able to, like, take yourself out of it. Are there mm -hmm. any other pieces of advice that you would give somebody who is just starting out as a jammer? Uh, as a jammer, just, you know, sometimes you know, going through the pack or just jamming in general gets a little bit difficult, right? It's important to push through those difficult times and don't step out of the jam or pass the star prematurely. Sometimes you gotta suffer to get through, uh, to get to the results that you want. So you have to suffer through it before it gets easier. So I encourage you to just keep fighting until you figure out a way to get by. Yeah, that's really good advice. And so you're, I'm, I imagine you also practice that way, right? You're not just talking about yeah. games. You're talking about like those games, practices. practices, definitely yeah. practices. Definitely. You want to do that at practice because uh, it doesn't matter at that point. It's just practice. Um, it, when you get to the game, you definitely want to do like, you know, the, the strategy that you worked on, you know, you might be stuck for a while. Okay. Pass the star type of thing. But at practice, like, don't pass the star so much. Go ahead and suffer and figure out how to get by before you kind of just, I don't know, you know, leave the struggle. I don't know. I don't know what word I want to say, but whatever. Leave the struggle. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, talking about leaving the struggle and passing the star, mm -hmm. um, our, our next guest, Smarty yeah. Pants, is someone okay. who has often worn the pivot cover and is someone oh. to whom you have passed the star uh oh i got so I, I got a story about that one. Oh, gotcha. mm -hmm. okay let's take a look <laughs> first at uh, a mm -hmm. clip from the two of you uh and i think we're gonna go back to the montreal playoffs if i am remembering this correctly oh yes this is montreal and bay area do you remember this game freight train this weekend, yes, I did. I went Canada all Montreal and Bay, yeah, Texas Bay versus Bay Area. Let me see. Um, I don't. I mean, Montreal. Do you remember now. the the floor that moved? The floor that moved. Hmm. It was like shifting <laughs> over time. or shifted, so we had to move it back. Maybe I didn't notice. I don't know. <laughs> So this is you and Smarty. And yeah, this was Bay Area. And again, I think that this is, uh, let's see, 2016? 2016, okay. Uh, see, Whew, that's a long time ago. Whew. I know, right? Okay. <laughs> It is. It is a long time ago. Uh, but again, most of the jammers in this jammer rotation, when did you start working into the jammer rotation in Texas? So my opportunity um, 
my first opportunity to jam for the Texacutionist was Texas versus Denver and um, at the Big O. Um, what happened was, uh, I believe, unfortunately, Sarah Hypo had got hurt. And then I was asked to step in. Yeah, I was asked to step in and help out um, during that game. So that was my first time jamming for Texas. And then uh, while she was healing up, I kind of stayed in the jammer rotation. Uh, for the majority of that year, if anything, I started like the first half as a blocker and then the second half as a jammer. Were you, were you nervous? Were you excited? Oh, I was super excited because I don't know. I get the jam for the execution. It's like, hey, and that, she's out. that was awesome. Back then, it was awesome. Now I'm just used to it. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. That is so exciting. Yeah, this is a really good game. Uh, 110 yeah. over 42 at the half. That was awesome. Uh, oh, but yeah. I do um, I do think that uh, we are going to take a quick break. And then okay. we are going to bring in our friend Smarty Pants um, so that we can talk about how both of you got penalties in that jam. And maybe mm -hmm. a couple of other things. Yeah, all right. We'll be right back after this. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's a Texas two for one. I'm Double H here with Quick Trade, and Smarty Pants is joining us. Welcome, Smarty Pants. Uh, hi, I was just um, making a coffee. <laughs> mm -mm. Uh, in my I'll be good and move to where you want me to be. Um, okay. Um, hi, everybody. Hi. Hey. Can you hear me? No? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, I only made one coffee, sorry. I want one too. Uh, welcome. Hi. We're very excited to have hi. you. Uh, so there's a story that Freight Train was about to tell, and I think Freight Train oh. doesn't involve Smarty Pants. Yeah, it's involved Smarty Pants. Yeah. I mean, right? yeah. well, I, I would like to hear this. I don't even know if you remember, but it was like one I time. Say what? Oh, anyways, there was this one time we we were working we were working on passing the star at practices, right? And then there's this game, and I was running. The, the thing that we executed at practice, which is passing the star when we we're stuck, and you turned around and told me no, okay? You told me no. And I was like, is this not what we just practiced? <laughs> Wait, and was I that was, during I was the game? So, yeah, it was during the game. Yeah, it was uh, during the game. I think I know what team we're playing. What team were we playing? What team were we I, I don't I, know. I know what team we're playing. But, uh, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I mean, that was a very... Yeah, Memorable it was moment. not very often. Sorry, Double H. No, this is an ideal. Okay, it's not very often that I would not take the star. So um, I remember. I mean, like it was hard because I had like a zillion strategies in my head at any given time. Mm -hmm. So you didn't know if like I didn't want you to pass it yet because I thought that if we waited five seconds in position somewhere else, that it could be a better star pass. But it could also have been like if you actually needed a star pass, it could have been. There's this one game I'm thinking of where I just kept on getting <laughs> shut down as a jammer, and I was like, "No, do not give me that thing. I do not want that." Um, so it's probably that, okay. unfortunately. 
Okay. I mean, I'd like to say it was like some amazing strategy where I was like, no, don't give it to me yet. Give it to me in seven seconds when we're 10 feet to the right and forward. <laughs> but, yeah. and, I don't know. I just remember that. It was yeah. just funny to me. I was like, I was baffled. I was just like, she said no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I know. Because so. when did I ever say no? I mean, if anything, I was I like, know. I, mean, I, I, was, I was shocked. I, I imagine know. that it's most like, other you... times it was yeah. more successful than that, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, there were times when I ever said. Yeah, yeah. there is barely times when I was like, don't give me the star. Like, I think I wanted the star too much. Like, it was like, Smarty, you're, you're blocking in this game. You're not actually a jammer. Yeah. I just like, I liked getting the star movie. You know me. I mean, you know. Well, so tell me, and and that that jam that we just watched uh, like a minute or so ago, um, you worked together. Would you frequently be put together? Did you did you um, orchestrate pivot and jammer matchups frequently on that line? Um, Frey, what do you remember? I remember I. I don't think so. I think our jammer rotation, I mean, like we were trying out a lot of different things, but I think that our jammer rotation, uh, there was like a lot of jamming matching going on. And so like, mm -hmm. if we knew that Freight had a chance of like getting out faster, especially when up against another jammer, then we put her against, you know, said jammer. And then we just had, we had a lot of really talented skaters on our team and we had a lot of really talented pivots. And so we were able just to, be pretty positive that if we needed to get the star moving, we could. But I do remember this game, actually. I do remember it. Um, Bay what Area do you remember about it? Well, they're just an extremely talented team. And so I remember pretty much every single time I've played Bay Area. Like, I think they're just very strong, very talented. They always bring a lot to the table when you play them. And I do remember this um, in particular. Yeah. So, um, Texas it does have a long history of having like a really deep and exciting jammer rotation. Um, would yes. there be a lot yes, of, would there be a lot of extra work that um, like pivots who were not necessarily designated as, as jammers um, you're really doing a lot of different roles. Can you talk about the training that pivots specifically were doing or uh, if there was any additional training that y'all had to do? Um, Freight, you want me to take this one? Um, I think okay. for like the way that I became a pivot was because, uh, when I came onto the taxis, I was a jammer. So I really wanted to jam and, uh, nobody was ever going to let me wear the star. And I remember that I didn't even wear the star at practice. And, um, the first time I jammed for the taxis was during the game against Windy City when they were beating us and um we couldn't get the star moving and so then finally the coach looked at me and was like you want a shot and i was just like oh, okay so none of our jammers can get through and now you're gonna just like see if i want to get through and a lot of times that's how it works like i would go out there and jam when like our jammers needed a break or maybe finally the blocker rotation figured out what we were doing or they just wanted to throw in like just like a wild card. And so that's when I would go into the jam. And I remember the first time I ever jammed, it was just like that. We were playing Windy City. It was up against Barla Vendetta. And it was when Jackie Daniel still played for Windy. And I remember I did get out. And I remember Jackie, like she stayed with me up in the front until like the very end. She was a blocker. And then I remember her waving at me, just like as like I finally got out of the pack. And it was pretty exciting for me. But um but 
I think that that's the reason our pivots were so good at becoming jammers was because we just had like such a deep jammer pool that played for the taxis that, you know, we really could just take the star and get it moving at least. And like our mind frame was that we didn't necessarily need our pivots to score, but we needed them to get out and put pressure on the opposing team. So, so I think that's why we just had such a like heavy, heavy pivot bench. Yeah. So I had asked earlier Freight Train about her nightmare line that she had to skate oh, against I know. I heard. An, an opponent. Yes. And so does that mean that like uh, the Windy City, like a Windy City line with Jackie Daniels is included in your nightmare line? Um, yeah, Jackie Daniels is an incredible blocker and an incredible jammer. Um, and she's just very, very smart. And she does this thing. Um, it's really funny. A lot of new skaters, they take um, T-stops for granted. So they think that like T-stops are like a type of block that you don't need or a stop that you don't need to do. But Jackie does this incredible positional blocking with T-stops. And she uses like the, the softest wheels possible. And when Jackie Daniels has decided that you're not passing her, like you're just not. And so um, I would definitely put Jackie on a line of the people I wouldn't want to go against. I mean, like Freight's on my lineup of people I wouldn't want to go against. Um, <laughs> I mean, Freight, I've told you this, but like, I know you are absolutely one of the strongest and most talented jammers I've ever had to block. And so that's why at practice, like whenever we would do one-on-ones and stuff like that, I'd always want to be with Freight. Because I was like, well, I think Freight's going to kick my butt. So I might as well, you know, like I'm like Freight. Like I want to, I want to be challenged at practice and I want to see how often I can fail. And so I would just always go up against her. So, yeah, so Jackie would definitely be on that line. So would Freight. Um, I think a lot of those skaters from BRDL, like that, that, that like year that Freight was talking about for sure. But also like Angel City. Angel City had some of like the most talented blockers um, that I had to go up against. And they were the only team that's ever shut me down um, for, for jamming. Um, but there's so much talent. It's really hard to say. Yeah. Well, we're going to, I'm going to ask you a couple more fun questions, um, but we're going to okay, let yeah. our friend Freight Train go. Oh, are we? Freight Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much for uh, right. sticking with us today. Um, Say we'll hi to quick... Say hi to Will. All right. <laughs> we're going to take a quick commercial break and um, we'll be back to ask Smarty Pants more about the lines that she fears and is excited about. Welcome back to Getting Off Track. I'm Double H here with Smarty Pants. Did you get Did you get to watch any of that just there? Yeah, and I got to make a coffee. <laughs> oh, well, like both of those are probably equally important. Uh, yeah, there's a I, clip of my mom in there. That was cute. There's a clip of Bloody Mary in there in the audience. I know. There's a clip of Bloody Mary. There's, I think, was Lucille Brawl next to her. There's um, yes. our friend Chevy, um, my mom. Yeah, that was fun. I like the music well, too. It makes me feel like very jazz. It's fun and exciting. Um, yes. Let's go back. Speaking of Texas, let's go back uh, to the beginning. I mean, you started playing roller derby in 2003, but bank tracked. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Do, um, do you want me to tell you uh, the story? Tell me little, the story. Little children, come in. Yes. Come in. Everyone come gather in. around. Okay, so I started uh, May 2003, and um, I didn't have anything to do one night. And so I told my friends if they wanted some entertainment, they could come and watch me try out for roller derby. And um, 
little did I know that there had just been a big split that was quite dramatic and like quite traumatizing for a lot of people. There'd just been a really big split in Austin, Texas, where there had been one derby league. It was called Bad Girl, Good Woman Productions, but they were also skating as Texas Roller Girls. And then it split into two. And so I didn't know that I was trying out for the team that would eventually become a bank track team. And uh, the other team was flat track that would be Texas Roller Girls that would help start the flat track derby revolution. That is a story in and of itself. I mean, that doesn't sound very exciting, but yeah. So I tried out for bank track and I got there before the bank track did. And I remember like the day that the bank track showed up and we pulled it out and we tried to figure out like the first time we put it together, it was hilarious. Like it took like hours, like, um, but it was cool. Yeah. I was young. I was 21. Um, I'm 22 now. So that was last year. You look great. Um, Thanks. Thanks. That's my favorite joke. Um, but yes, I'm looking at my partner and seeing if she's like rolling her eyes at any of my jokes. Um, and yeah, so I tried out for Derby. I played um, with TXRD Lone Star Roller Girls for seven years. And then um, in 2010, I was either going to retire from the sport completely or I was going to um, try out for flat track. And the only reason I was afraid to was because the two leagues still didn't really like each other that much. They didn't really have a great relationship. And so I was just nervous about like being a trader and leaving like bank track behind. And then also like, you know, I didn't really know any of the flat track skaters and I wasn't sure if they'd like me and all that stuff. So, um, so I was pretty nervous about it, but I tried out in um, 2011, it was like January 4, I think. I don't know, I remember all these dates. Um, and the first person that said hi to me at the tryout was Bloody Mary. And she, uh, she came and sat down and she, <laughs> yeah, she gave me the, um, I don't know if WFTA still makes the rule set in like the tiny little books, but she gave me like this tiny little book. It was the rule set. She was like, here, welcome. <laughs> and knowing bloody or Juliana now, like it was like very nice of her, but also like read the rules. You're going to need to know these. This is an extremely different rule set than the one that I yeah. played by. So she's very good at trying to tell you, you need to learn a thing, but being really nice about it. You know, she is. Yeah. And um, I do love that about Juliana. So, so that was, um, yeah, that was my introduction to flat track. And so that was like 2011. And I played with the Texies until I guess it was like 2017 was my final season. Or um, mm -hmm. as of right now. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah. And then I retired after the world. You heard it here first. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm coming back. <laughs> So, uh, oh, but you but know what, said, though? That on the, oh, yes. yes. Oh, I was going to say on the Texies, know who is the captain of the Texies right now? My high school rowing coach. I tried to get her into roller derby uh, like when I first started in 2000, whenever we just said, and she was too busy coaching high school rowing. And so wow. uh, she couldn't. But then she retired from that and she started playing roller derby and now she's the captain. And I would love to be captained by Jennifer DeHaas or Nine Lives is her skate name. That would be dreamy. So, but I'm in Vancouver, so I can't play for a Texas team. And nobody's well, playing roller was, derby right now. So I was going to say roller derby's for everybody. <laughs> it is for everybody. Um, so. Speaking of everybody, you've been pretty much everybody on the track. You've been a blocker, a pivot, a jammer. Um, and yeah. as someone who has coached pretty consistently over the past several years, um, 
Can you talk a little bit about some of the different skill sets that you kind of, uh, I really think you're one of the humans in roller derby who has kind of like fine tuned the idea of coaching for positions. So I'm curious to know if you had, um, how did you come to the a place where you're like, well, these are totally different skill sets that I need to be training for? Yeah, um, great question. Well, first I was obsessed with training just in general. So um, when I first started roller derby, there's a rink really close to my house and I would go and skate like four hours a day when I wasn't at work. And I just fell in love. I really thought that I found my place and like what my purpose was. And so, yeah, I would just skate as often as possible. And, uh, and I was also just like so intrigued about like what was going on. And then when we started to, so when I first started, there was only roller derby in Austin. And then shortly after that, um, Derby started up like in New York and LA and uh, I think like Tucson. And I remember at one point finding out that LA Derby Dolls didn't skate with toe stoppers. So then I took out my toe stoppers and kept them out for like five years because like I thought like if they could do that and that was challenging, I'd learn how to skate without toe stoppers and all the skills required for that. So I think that um, my obsession with the sport and then also breaking down what we did on the track into what that would look like off of a track and then what type of skills I could practice to help me with said skill, whatever it was, I would start to utilize and practice and do at the gym. And I was just always so intrigued by like what my body could do and how that would, how that would uh, look on the track and what the result would be. So, um, so it was pretty much like an obsession and then just like a deep curiosity that made me want to train for certain positions. Um, if you ever went, if you ever, you know, were at derby tournaments that I was at when my team was playing, um, if my team, I was like later on, <laughs> almost everyone. <laughs> okay. So when, um, the Texas started putting me into the jammer rotation, uh, they would give me a heads up usually. And then what you would see me do is warm up, do my warm ups differently. And so um, my dog is making really cute noises next to me. She's asleep, and, but she's like barking in her sleep. Um, if you're wondering what I'm looking at. Okay, so back back to Derby. Um, so if I was, if it was halftime and my coaches came up to me, maybe Curvet was like, hey, Smarty, you're gonna jam in the next half. Then I would start to do footwork um, that had to do more with like jamming styles and like pivoting around, turning around to a stopper work. Um, but if they were like, okay, Smarty, you're just blocking for the rest of the game, then I would not do the same type of jammer footwork I liked because I would move around too much on the track if I did. So I would practice like stops and staying still and um, just really trying to plant and hold myself. So really like the type of footwork that I did really dictated what I was ready for and what my body was ready to do. And um, I just, you know, I, I never assumed that I could just like chill out and not practice. So I just practiced harder than, than, I don't know, than probably a lot of people. And I also had the luxury of coaching Derby as my career. And so um, right. when I was at work, I was essentially teaching roller derby, thinking about roller derby. And then also in Austin, I taught a lot of private lessons. So I taught people how to roller skate or I worked with athletes one-on-one -on -one there and help them with their derby skills. And so essentially I was practicing, you know, some days I could have been playing roller derby for like five hours a day, which is, I think that's kind of insane, but um, 
But at the time, it was just like my lifestyle. But that's how you get to be smarty pants. Well, I mean, that is very nice. Um, but I mean, I was I was thoroughly I was pretty obsessed with the sport. Like I I didn't really want to be because I think that all humans should have a lot of interests. However, um, I I was I was very intrigued by the sport of roller derby. Um, and what's interesting too, is that you have also kind of been through, I, I mean, we're a young sport, right? Like the WFTDA is 15 yeah, this year. Yeah. So yeah. to see the evolution of rules and game style, um, kind of progress so rapidly over the last 10 yeah. years, right? Like, uh, 2013, when we took minors away and even, um, some of the clips that we had of you, like the first clip I think that we had is from, um, the game against Denver uh, at Atlanta championships. Oh, yeah. um, just still seeing yeah. some of that. Here it is. Still seeing yeah. some of that. Uh, <laughs> number one, seeing Vicious yeah. Van Gogh on the Texas line. Uh, I know. Vicious and also Francie fans playing for Denver. And, and is that Desi yeah, Creation sure. also? Yeah. So yeah. to see. Yes. Um, oh my God. She is so good at sport. First yeah. of all, the knee starts, but and then yeah. to go from this forward facing um like you're saying really digging and then to yeah. kind of see a little bit of that um like the game against bay area where they had employed still continue to employ some of those forward facing techniques yeah. but you've really yes. built out sort of the brace roll over time as well yeah yeah i mean so the Texas we were playing um the the track where we played roller derby was really, 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 really grippy. It was so grippy. And so um, we just couldn't stop. And so that's, that's why we started, Right. you know, that's why, that's why I started turning around and bracing my teammates because like we were told, okay, you got to stop, you got to stop, you got to stop. But like none of us were s stopping very well. And so um, the brace came out of necessity of like, well, we want to slow down. We don't want to keep on just rolling forward. What are we going to do? Right. And so, um, so yeah, so that was, that was something that we just did out of need, but it is interesting, like seeing us all starting on a knee, uh, that is neat. And when I coach people, I tell them that roller derby is very cyclical. So like, I can remember when no one was playing like physical offense and no one was touching each other to try to play offense. They were just doing distance offense or non-physical offense. And it, at clinics, like nobody was asking me, like, how do I play offense? How do I physically open up a line with my body? And so for a while it was almost considered like funny to talk about it, but then it was like, no, offense is coming back now. And then you show people that haven't been in the sport for very long. You're like, well, the way that people used to get their jammer out is they'd go stand behind them nine feet and people would be like, what, what are you talking about? And, uh, and then you tell them like what used to be done. And so, I do love the fact that Derby is very cyclical. There's a lot of people that if they haven't been in it for very long, they don't really understand the origin of a strategy. And so I think if you don't necessarily understand the origin of a strategy, you're just replicating a strategy. And so maybe not playing it to the full extent of your ability. Uh, but yeah, it is fun to see those old, um, those old footage, you know, the, the knee starts. For sure. Yeah. The knee starts. Yeah. Those are wild. Um, tell They're us wild. a little bit, uh who are some of the people who inspired you over the years okay um inspirations that i have are people such as like the la derby dolls um tx30 lone star roller girls like the first big truck skaters 
I know that in the flat track universe, um, people don't really like maybe follow bank track, but really like the first athletes that started our sport were pretty inspiring to begin with. Also some of the first flat track skaters, especially the ones in Texas, like they were just like really awesome athletes. And I'm so happy they decided to start the sport. Um, other people would be like, like Sarah Heupel. I think that Sarah Heupel is like one of the smartest derby players who's ever played the sport. And I'm really happy that like, I actually got to be on a team with her. Yep. Um, also, Olivia Shooting John from the Texies, like uh, she is one of the smartest athletes I've ever met. She's also so strong, so solid. Um, she's one of the hardest jammers to get around um, or to stop, to try to actually yeah. stop them on the track. Um, there's numerous others. I think Carmen Getsum is just incredibly smart. Um, I think she's done a lot of a lot for the sport of roller derby and she's incredibly gifted. Um, I think Mercy who played for Rhodes for so long was also very, very smart athlete. Um, very, <laughs> very, um, very skilled and also just like a really good derby coach too. Um, let's see other people like VRDL, like when they decided to come and like kick everyone's ass, like they showed up and that was like very, very inspiring. Um, Sarelson, I think Sarelson is like one of the smartest athletes that's played the, the sport and also uh, Christy Hughes for that bit, um, who jammed for VRDL for a bit. Like she yep. was so talented and so good. Um, do you want me to go on? <laughs> yes, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> uh, there's just like so many people. Uh, Demanda Riot, like Demanda, such a smart athlete, super good, skilled at the sport. Um, Steph Maney, really, really strong athlete, really, really smart. Did a lot for roller derby in the UK. Um, jukebox, like jukebox, is like one of my favorites. Um, like both bricks, the jammers, like Bricktator, Brickyard, like they are amazing. Jammers. Anyone with brick in their name. I know anybody with brick in their names. Like you know, it's so interesting. Like some of the people that are like the strongest athletes, like I've ever had to play against. Um, Blackjack, who is also another amazing pivot. Um, I was going to say, you're naming people, you're naming athletes who are kind of like multifaceted and who have kind of played all positions. Do you think that that's, um, do you think that 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 is going away or do you think, do you see roller derby heading in a direction where roles are more specialized or do you see a need for athletes that are a little bit more diversified? Yeah, um, you know, I'm more into diversification because you never really know what's going to happen um, for your team, you know, and you don't know what's going to happen on the track. Uh, like, for instance, like um, jammers who are super talented at jamming, but if you do need to pass the star, they've never blocked before. And so basically they don't know what to do or they can't take, you know, direction. Um, so yeah, I really prefer diversification. Um, and I don't mind everybody understanding what's going on on the track. Like, I never really was one of those people that thought we needed to have like one drill sergeant that was going to tell you what to do and tell everybody what to do. And then like everybody just kind of did like a top down model. Um, so on the track, I would be, I'm likely to say the same thing. Also, like, you never really know what team you're going to play, what they've been studying. Like, if they've been hyper studying you and you are actually, like, going onto the track prepared to play the exact game that they think that you're going to play, then your team's really at a loss. For sure. 
So to that end, I have a couple, just a couple final questions for you. So like if you had a, what I'll call the nightmare line, like who is, if you're jamming, who is the uh, opposing team's starting line that you, and you can make it out of anybody. It doesn't have to be like um, a team's line. Yeah. Who are some of your you favorite know, blockers that you've faced? Um, like people that I thought were just like hard to get around. I mean, it's so hard. There's like so many, you know, like I think, I don't know. I mean, like the, the team that practiced the most and like showed up and ready to play, like the team that had the strategy and like chilled, chilled out and they weren't faced by anything, you know, like I, um, like I do remember when VRDL showed up to play and they just started to like annihilate everybody. And that's like a good example of a line that was pretty hard. But then like Angel City, like I remember Angel City, I think that they did a whole lot for roller derby athletes taking the off track portion of training really seriously and wanting to make sure that they were prepared for the sport by getting like physically strong. And uh, I think Angel City really helped with that movement. Like, do you remember when it was just obvious that Angel City was doing off skates training in a way that the majority of derby athletes and derby teams weren't? And you saw it reflected in how they played the sport and how they worked as a unit. So yeah. I might be super those, annoyed those, and just not tell you like the exact okay. lines that I don't want to play again. That's okay. I, I think I can. I think I can extrapolate. Uh, but in terms of stuff that you're doing now, since you're not playing roller derby, since no one's yes. playing roller derby right now, um, nobody is playing roller derby. Tell us your hopes and dreams for when things do get back on track. What types of things are you working on and looking forward to? Uh, well, luckily for me, the majority of things that I'm working on, I can do right now. Um, my life right now doesn't look extremely different than it did uh, a month ago. So um, I've taken, I purposed, so I coached roller derby for an extremely long time. Uh, the first team I ever coached was actually Gotham Girls. And I remember meeting uh, Chassie Crash in Austin and she told me she was going to start a derby team. And I was like, oh, if you ever start a derby team, I'll come up and coach you. So uh, that was like, I think, in 2004 that they started. So I've been coaching derby since then. And um, like extremely lucky to coach roller derby as a career. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to take a year off of it for a couple of reasons. One, because I've been doing it a long time. And two, because I just wanted to put some distance between myself and the sport. Um, I took the sport incredibly seriously, and I just uh, spent a lot of time. You've mentioned with it. that. So I truly wanted, yeah, I I just wanted to distance myself from it a bit. And also, my partner Carla, um, she played a Scarlet Bloodbath for Terminal City and the Canadian team. She also was retiring, and so we thought it was a good time to just like kind of adjust and see what life would be like without derby being part of it every day. And so. Um, I also just wanted to take time from the sport because um, I wanted to look at it differently. And so over the years of coaching the sport and then in turn playing the sport, I looked at it from like very specific perspectives. And so I just wanted to see what would happen if I backed away from it and I almost like became less acquainted and I could look at it with like fresh eyes. And I did that with the other sport that I do, which is rowing. And I've been rowing since high school. I mentioned Jennifer DeHoff, my old rowing coach. So um, I took about maybe seven years off of it 
of really like studying it. And then when I came back to it, it was really rad because I looked at it in ways that I hadn't before. So I wanted to do that with Derby. And so um, I did that for the last like six months and uh, and then I was gonna start to coach again this year, but then the clinics have been put off because of the COVID and the need to just like be safe and try to flatten the curve. So um, other things I work on are Strong Athletics, so my clothing company, and I wore the original Strong Athletics shirt today. I was gonna so say, I thought is, I saw that. This is, yes, this is the shirt that uh, Kristen Perks designed for me. So Kristen Perks is a teammate of mine. She skated for Texas. And she um, had heard me say, call my teammates a fine group of strong athletic women um, so many times that she finally put the word strong athletic women on a shirt. She was like, okay, fine. How the t-shirt company started. Yes, exactly. So, um, so I've been working on strong athletic and that's just been really rad to do. And I've gotten to work with a lot of derby teams, but also I'm starting to work with some athletes outside of derby and like extend the concept further. Um, because, you know, I think that all athletes need to have their voices amplified. And that's like one of the key purposes of Strong Athletic. And then also, I have the Strong Athletic podcast, but I've had to put that on hold because I am too slammed. So, um, I and was going to ask have about this. your podcast. Yes. Yeah. So I started the Strong Athletic podcast to help um, coaches and athletes learn how to better communicate. And um, it's still incredibly important to me um, that we're just trying to reconfigure how we can get it going again. And uh, the production time to do a podcast is extremely long. And so we're just trying to figure out how we can better manage it with the resources that we have, which is pretty much um, not a lot of resources. So, uh, and then there's also a book on coaching that I've been writing and I hope to finish. What? A book? That's phenomenal. Yeah. Tell us, tell me more. Okay. I will tell you more. So, um, so basically in all sports, and so roller derby, um, let's say that there's an athlete who um, gets benched all the time and they don't ever get playtime. And also they're not given much information for why they don't get playtime. Um, I think that's an underutilization of the athlete's skills and what they can contribute to their team. And so my hope is to teach athletes to learn how to ask the right questions so they can figure out what it is that they're not doing how they should do and also their coaches to learn how to better communicate with them so that basically the athlete can have a better experience in sport and they'll be more likely to stay in sport. And then the coach can get better at training athletes and teaching them how to, um, basically, if there's something that they're lacking, which I call it indicator. So um, let's talk about the 20, oh my gosh, you're the maybe perfect person to talk about this. With. 27 and five, right? So the list Go on. Is, um, yes. I don't know. Okay. So, 27 and five. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so there's yes, this big rule interview where you have to skate around the track. Have you ever heard of that? Anyway, um, so so the skills test 27 and 5. So some leagues take it incredibly seriously and then some don't, right? Um, for me, if an athlete's not able to hit the 27 and 5, for a lot of them, it, it's, um, it's no big deal if their league doesn't really have that part of their structure but say that the league is like no if you can't do 27 and 5 you can't play on the team or something like that and then the athlete's like mortified and like say they quit and that's awful and then say that that happens on every single league in the world well how many leagues are in the world like let's say that there's i don't know how many leagues are in the world hundreds. how many leagues are there in the world okay, uh, well for so say, wftda it's over 450 but there are many more that are okay. not so okay so let's say that one athlete on every single league in the world can't hit their 27 and five. Their team says, well, you can't play on the charter. 
And then that athlete is like, I have no chance. I'm going to quit. So then that's 450 athletes who decide to no longer play our sport that day, right? And our sport's little and it's small and it needs to expand. And so we want those athletes to stay in the sport. And so what I would prefer for coaches to do is try to coach athletes on indicators and teach them what they're lacking. And so basically anytime the athlete takes a lap around the track, they're telling their coach what they understand about how to speed skate. And then their coach should be able to see that and then coach them from there. So that's something that I'm extremely passionate about. And I think that there's like definitely a missing link in the athlete coach communication. And so um, I want to help both athletes and coaches like learn how to better communicate so that learning can take place. So you're really thinking that the next sort of evolution of the sport is going to come at a coaching level. I think that coaches need better resources. And I think that around the world, in every single sport, there's a lot of coaches who are great at the sport, but they're not good at necessarily coaching the sport. But in turn, I think that a lot of the responsibility also sits on the athlete's shoulders. So athletes, I think, need to ask better questions and they need to take more responsibility for learning. Um, And sometimes people don't even know when learning isn't taking place. And sometimes people don't even know when learning is taking place. But I do think that um, all sports, like across the world, the coaches need to be better because if you get a group of athletes together, you're going to have at least two of them that have horror stories about their experience with their coach. And I think that's intolerable. Like the coach has so much of an impact on what an athlete's experience is going to be on the team. And I really think that because of that, they need to take that responsibility seriously. That sounds like an awesome book. When is it going to be done? No pressure. Oh my God. I know, right? Um, it's actually, it's 80% done. So it's, um, That's great. it's just finalizing it. Yeah. All right. Well, how can people follow you, follow your awesome activities, find out more about the book? Is Strong Athletic the best handle for us to follow you at? Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, Strong Athletic is is like where you'll hear from me the most um get smarty coaching also so it's just at get smarty coaching and um i'm pretty responsive to both uh if i don't get to you it's um it's nothing personal it's either just that i'm slammed and i can't or i never got your message and you thought i did uh you know like those are pretty much i know that life i know right yeah um i mean sometimes the internet does actually eat emails. I have no idea. But um, so yeah, it's pretty easy to get a hold of. And if you are interested in a way for your team to like um, amplify your voices through Strong Athletic, you can get in touch about that. If you're looking for coaches resources or athlete resources, um, I'm I'm available for that. I love the sport of roller derby. I think it's a great, wonderful, beautiful sport. Um, I'm also excited because it's such a young sport. I'm excited to see um, how it's going to grow and expand. And I think um, right now it's upsetting that, you know, we can't play our sport or we can't do like what we're used to do just in general. But um, I know that, you know, it's, you know, everybody has to make sacrifices right now. So, so, um, so, you know, those are sacrifices to make. Um, I have had a lot of people from Derby reach out and ask if strong athletic needs support. And I really appreciate that. What I would say is um, reach out to the coaches that you know are career coaches and ask them how you can support them because a lot of those coaches probably had to cancel clinics or put clinics on hold and that, you know, that is their income. 
And so they do a lot for us to help extend our sport and make our sport better and like extend the knowledge. So maybe just reach out to that person that you like to follow on Instagram or Facebook and you like to watch their videos and learn about roller derby and just ask them how you can support them and maybe they can, you know, help you out online and do some um, some remote coaching for your league or for yourself. That's a great idea. Have you been doing remote yeah. coaching or virtual digital coaching uh, at all or no? Um, I have not. I currently, I just don't have the capacity. Um, I'm just too slammed for that. So I'm not able to do that, unfortunately. But there are so many smart We should call you Busy Pants. <laughs> yes, Busy Pants. For this sure. Fans. Yes. Yes. Well, and thanks for I, having me on. Yes. I am so and glad. And thanks for having me on. That's great. Yeah. I think it was really fun. I was uh, super excited to have both of you on. It's always, always great to see you. I love it whenever I get to run into you and have a couple minutes to talk to you. So um, stay safe, stay healthy, um, stay strong and athletic. Thank you. And, uh, and I will talk to you soon. Okay, that sounds awesome. Thanks, Smarty Pants. Yeah. All right, well, that is, uh, yet again, we're over time because we've had such awesome guests. And again, uh, if there's someone to see interviewed on Getting Off Track, let us know. Email us at broadcast at quadmedia.tv. Um, again, thanks for stopping by to our Twitch channel. We're also going to be starting our WFTDA uh, or WFTD Access channel, uh, which is going to be more of a community access Twitch channel in the coming days. So stay tuned for more information about that. Um, and again, click the heart to follow us on Twitch uh, and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. And you'll get notified when we have new content. We're hoping to put Getting Off Track on every week. Uh, so for now, I remain Double H. It is a great to see you all as always, and hopefully I'll be back soon getting off track, and uh, I look forward to the day when we can all get back on track. Hope you all have a great weekend.